In the bonus with Colin Taylor from Gamecock Central and Tyler Head, powered by Twin Peaks and Canty Foundation Specialists on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. And welcome into In the Bonus is Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head on your Wednesday morning. I did have to think about that a moment ago while doing traffic. It's not Wednesday. It's Coordinator's Day. That's right. It is Coordinator's Day because that's how the schedule operates this time of year. Yeah, it's not Wednesday. Today is radio followed by coordinators. Yes. And I'm doing a hit with you and Jay at 4.30. I did not know that. Now I know. I, I learned. I knew I we were asked. talking to Ray Tanner in the 3 o'clock hour. Ooh, see, that's news to me. Now I, I don't know. about 10 minutes ago. I, yeah. I or at least I texted Jay back about 10 minutes ago. Well, I know he mentioned yesterday, he was like, well, we're going to get somebody on the beat. So that either means you, Wes, or Chris. There you go. So, um, yeah. Okay. You, it's it, me. The, Spoiler. There was a 33% chance it was going to be you. You're welcome. Defying odds. So, uh, yeah, so that'll be fun. Uh, again, talking to Ray Tanner in the 3 o'clock hour. I don't know if he's in studio or not. I've not mm. gotten confirmation on that, but I've actually, I haven't gotten to meet Coach Tanner yet. So Ray's hilarious. That'd be cool. Ray is legitimately a funny human being. He's got some great stories. I'm sure he some does. fantastic stories. I mean, he's literally, when did he start coaching here? Ooh, in the 90s. Okay. Mid-90s? So what? I should know that. Almost two decades as a head coach. And then now a decade as an athletic director. Yep. Yeah. A lot of fun stories. Oh, I'm sure he does. I mean, honestly, I feel like every coach at the college level is going to have a fair amount of stories. And he's had, like, a a lot of really fun characters on his staffs, too, which Mm. makes it even better. I'm sure. 1997 I, was his first year at South okay, Carolina. Okay, so yeah, roughly 15 years yep. as a head coach. At South so. Carolina, but his first year at NC State was 88. Okay, so I mean, yeah, yeah, plenty of stories there. Uh, we'll certainly get into some of the things that yes. Coach Beamer said yesterday at his, as presser that were you know non-necessarily football-related, but think about somebody like him, the, the places he's been, which have been included Mississippi State, Virginia yes. Tech, Georgia, Oklahoma, South Carolina two different times. Now, like, imagine... The just if you could just talk to Coach Beamer for an hour about off the field stuff. Oh, I oh, can only imagine God, the, just the level of story and that the he people would have. that he's worked for at those places. Yeah, too. D- completely different personalities. Do you think like he's, Sylvester Croom? I would not put Sylvester Croom and Lincoln Riley in the same category of human. No, definitely not. I would not the, put Lincoln Riley and Kirby Smart in the same category of do you, human. Do you think Coach Beamer's eaten Lincoln Riley's barbecue? Like at his house. Oh, I remember that. Uh, yeah. Lincoln Riley doesn't stay in the news for good reasons. He's probably still having to drink water because it was so dry. Gestures to yesterday for Lincoln Riley as well. Yeah, not a good one. Not great. Um, not great. Yeah. Uh, Lincoln Riley, I know, is never going to be allowed back in Norman, Oklahoma ever again. Um, he's, obviously they're winning right now. Yes. But I feel like if things went south and he got canned, He'd probably not be allowed in L.A. again either because he's not hes not making a lot of friends out there. No, he's not. Um, interesting human. Definitely so. Interesting human. Um, East Carolina OC. If I'm not mistaken, he was the OC against 
South Carolina one year when South Carolina played ECU. Lincoln Riley was? Yes. He was the East Carolina OC from 2010 until 2013. And I believe... Okay. I believe South Carolina played them. And then... To right open at, the 2010 season. Right after that, he went and became Stoops OC at Oklahoma. Um, uh, let's double check. We're doing some Wikipedia searching on the fly here. Okay. He went. Yes, he went Texas Tech to ECU. Okay. To Oklahoma, to then Southern Cal. Okay, I see. the The wildest one was watching the Johnny Manziel documentary, mm-hmm. and it was like Kevin Sumlin is head coach Mm -hmm. and then i think was it did lincoln riley ever was he ever there under someone there under kingsbury um he might have been like an anal like a ga maybe because kingsbury was oc that year yes i don't know if if lincoln riley no he would have been at texas tech the entire time it looks like okay he went texas tech right until east carolina which what a weird like yeah, that seems like a step back. I'm going out. Well, he was the wide receiver. He went to there to be the OC. Oh, okay. But he was a wide because he was a wide receivers coach at Texas Tech under Leach. I see. And then, yes, moved on. So, as I filibuster, <laughs> they played them twice when Lincoln Riley was there. In 2011 and 2012, a 56-37 win and a 48-10 win. I see. Interesting. Yeah, the fifty-six to thirty-seven was a very interesting game because that was like uh, ECU jumped out to this like massive halftime lead, and Stephen Garcia came off the bench. Connor Shaw started that game, mm-hmm. didn't play particularly well, and Stephen Garcia came off the bench and ended up. Yeah, it was twenty-four fourteen ECU at half, and then it ended up fifty-six to thirty-seven. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Steven Garcia came off the bench, seven of fifteen passing, hundred and ten yards and a touchdown. How many uh how many rushing yards did South Carolina have that day? Ooh, good segue. Good segue, sir. Um as I look for it. Uh two hundred and twenty. Led by one Marcus Lattimore with hundred and twelve. Well that shouldn't surprise you. No. Um running game was a little bit better back then. Tad bit. Uh, still working on it this year. Mm-hmm. That was something that Coach Beamer definitely talked about yesterday in his presser. Here's what he had to say about the state of the run game right now for the Gamecocks. It's important. You know, it's something that even going back last week, Mike, I mean, I had conversations with, with Dow and Clayton, like how do we how do we play this game? You know, obviously we don't have the depth, or last Saturday didn't have the depth at certain positions that we needed, and I knew the longer the game went, our whole thing was just get this thing to the fourth quarter and have a chance to win it. And we did get it to the fourth quarter, but you also, you can't play like, turn it into the, turn into, you know, one of the service academies where you're just grinding the clock and you're trying to snap it with two seconds on the play clock and you're just running the ball 60 times and all that as well. Like we have a quarterback and we want to give him a chance to score points. And that's really what we did. I mean, you watch the first drive. It wasn't like slow it down. It was here we go and be aggressive and attack. And that's how we want to play football. Because at the end of the day, you're right. I think the time of possession is I think it can be good. At the end of the day, you do what you got to do to score points. But we certainly have to help our defense. One, defense has got to get off the field on third down. Two, we've got to stay on the field offensively on third down. But then three, we've got to play other players on defense because we can't ask Debo and Stone to play 80 plays every game at linebacker. Uh, We can't ask 
Marcellus, O'Donnell, uh, Jalen, DQ, and Nick to play every play at safety and our corner and nickel. We've got to continue to develop depth where if they are out there for 70, 80 plays, we don't get worn down because we're, we're playing these young guys, and, and that's what we have to continue to do. So he obviously talked a lot about a lot of different things there and ended up talking about the defense at the end, but the beginning of that was talking about mm-hmm. throwing a game and trying to establish that, which they've been trying to do through these first three games of the season with not a whole lot of success. And I feel like at this point in time, you kind of know what you got. Right. And not that you're going to abandon it completely, but you realize that it's going to be a very small part of your offense going forward. You'll probably continue to try it. You know, in those yes. scripted plays, we talk about 10 to 15 plays, start the game, first drive or two, like, hey, let's just see what we can do. And look, Mississippi State's a team that you might have the opportunity to actually run a decent amount on. But if you figure out in those first couple of plays, like, well, not much better this week, then it's like, all right, well, now we're just going to throw the ball for 90% of the game and once again kind of supplement those runs with the short passes and stuff. Yeah, and he was right about the game script kind of went to perfection in the first half with four, South Carolina had five drives to Georgia's four and... They ran less plays, fewer plays, but it didn't really matter. The problem was Georgia had seven drives in the second half to your six. Time of possession is a wildly overrated statistic. I am not a fan of the time of possession statistic. I am a fan of drive numbers, how many drives you're getting, mm-hmm. and total plays. If That tends to tell the story more than time of possession. So, with that being said... The fact is, South Carolina ran, as I look, 10 fewer plays in the second half mm-hmm. and had one fewer drive, one fewer scoring opportunity. So that's the issue. And with the run game, he even talked about it in his press conference. Hey, we need to, like, yes, the line needs to block. We need to maybe call some more designed runs that don't have RPO tags to them. But at some point, the running back has to make a dude miss in the open field. Sure. Like they, if they want to do this, they got to go make a dude miss. And um, I looked at some numbers yesterday, and I need to send this to you because Michaela and I were out grabbing an apple juice last night, and um, I was working. And did, I did this spreadsheet put her to sleep. I, I, there's literally me. I I flipped my computer around and I was showing her what I was working on, and she vi- like recorded it and put it on her Instagram. I will send it to you. Okay. Of me like explaining the spreadsheet. And did you, how quickly did you lose her? Yes. Uh, but so I looked at SEC teams and the amount of missed tackles they forced okay. in the pass game and the run game. South Carolina is tied for last in missed tackles forced in the run game with just 16 through three games. The only team worse is Missouri. They're tied with A&M in terms of missed tackles forced in the run game. Good news is, thanks to Amarian Brown, South Carolina's fifth or tied for fourth, really, in the SEC and missed tackles forced in the pass game. Mm-hmm. But you're just not forcing enough missed tackles in the run game. And when that happens, you're not getting those chunk plays. Those plays only go for as much as they're blocked for. And right now, the offensive line is struggling to a degree, not getting enough push. And when all of those things combine together, you get statistically one of the worst rushing offenses in the SEC right now. Makes sense. Yeah. That's all of those annoying. things, when you look at numbers, numbers can lie to you sometimes. But when you look at some numbers... It makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we'll see what they can do against Mississippi State this weekend. feel like you have maybe a little bit better shot to yes. run against them compared to some of these other teams that you're playing. But, again, for just some reason, the offensive line just does not seem to be clicking quite as well when it comes to 
run blocking. They're getting better at pass protection. Yeah, I think they're fine at pass protection right now. And now that I think we've kind of settled on who the starting five are going to be finally after three weeks, your hope now is that, okay, once they start playing together, once they start gelling, maybe, hopefully that run blocking will start to improve at least a little bit. You're not going to suddenly start running for 150, 200 yards a game. Like, I think that's kind of out the window for the season. But if you can get to something respectable, like, hey, you know, we can – Go out there and know we can run for seventy or eighty yards as a team. Like that yeah, just, helps your offense out a lot. Just be efficient. Like that's that's all it is. And Mississippi State's run defense has a stuff rate of just fourteen percent, which is not very good. Um, and teams are averaging three point one line yards per rush, so pu- yards of push against that front. So um, it's really good. You have a chance to run it. That three three five defense maybe gives you a, a little bit more space to, to run and create some different combinations there in the run game. We'll see. But at some point, too, like, you just put the ball in Seven's hands and he's going to go and try to win you that game. Like, you're not going to have – you don't want to take the ball out of Spencer's rattler hands 25, 30 times a game if you right. don't have to. Absolutely. And, yeah, everything runs through – Spencer Rattler, obviously, but he is going to be without one of his main targets this upcoming weekend. We'll talk of the latest on Juice Wells and what Coach Beamer had to say about his injury from yesterday. Coming up, you're listening to In the Bonus. He is Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head on Wednesday morning here on The Game. Out this week. He will not be able to play. Uh, he did see a specialist this morning in Charlotte, and uh, it was a good, good visit as well. Nothing that is season-ending. Uh, is something that feel like the best thing is just to you know uh, rest it for this week. We'll see about next week for Tennessee, and then we have an open week after that. So we'll certainly reevaluate things as we get more into into next week. Let's just let it let the foot settle down a little bit and see where we are, and then we'll we'll go from there. But uh, disappointing that he disappointing for him because I know how he how hard he worked, and then to get back and then was had a great week of practice, but. Uh, uh, we'll continue to do what's best for him going forward, but uh, he won't be able to play this Saturday. Welcome back in. In the bonus, Colin Taylor, Tyler, head along with you on this Wednesday. That, of course, was Coach Beamer talking to the media yesterday on the latest on Juice Wells. And as we kind of expected, Juice not going to be able to play this weekend as he is dealing with that foot injury that was re-aggravated against Georgia when he scored that touchdown early on this past Saturday. Uh, do, do you think Coach Beamer meant to let it slip when talking about Juice on Saturday about the off-season foot surgery, because that was kind of kept hush-hush up until that point, and then he just kind of... He said it on the broadcast, right? He said it on the broadcast. Like, yeah, he had the foot surgery a couple weeks ago, and uh, they, uh, they put, was it a screw in his foot? Something, something in his like foot. that, yeah. Um, but he just, like, said revealed it. that, which is something, like, we had heard about. Right, but it like, was, like, not kinda... common knowledge, and then he just right. gives it away in the broadcast, basically. Yeah, that happens sometimes. Uh no, because at this point, it's it's fact. Sure. Like, you can't really hide it at this right. point. Like, we, we knew something was bothering Juice, yeah. lower and body, duh. I would... I know it's not season-ending, and I don't... I do think we'll see Juice Wells at some point this season. Yeah. But when you're dealing with something like a broken foot or a broken bone in a foot or something like that, whatever that it could be, you're out for a couple weeks. And... Do you really want to rush him back from a second foot injury? That's that, kind of the thing, too. That's the big question here. It's like, okay, let's say sets out this week, sit him out against Tennessee, has the bye week to get back healthy, and let's say you're heading into Florida or Florida's coming in here, and he's at 
80%. Right. Do you take the risk of bringing him out there against a Florida team that that matchup's looking a whole lot tougher now when you saw right. what they did against Tennessee this past weekend? You feel like you're going to need all hands on deck to be able to beat that kind of team. Like, are you taking the risk of rolling him back out there, potentially maybe losing him for the rest of the season if they get, if this gets aggravated again? Or is it just like, hey, we need everybody that we can if we're going to beat this team? I think a lot of it depends on the next three weeks, does it not? Yep. For Juice specifically. For sure. But also if, you know, Xavier Leggett's playing well, if Eddie Lewis is playing well, if um, the Nick Harbour <laughs> is playing well, if Tyshawn Russell is playing, if you are Omega Blake, if you're having guys yep. step up and they're playing at a fairly high level, then you don't feel the need to rush him back. And if he's at 80%, even if those guys aren't, I don't know if at some point it becomes about Juice getting as right as he can for either the end of the season or what should be a, a what you would think would be a lengthy professional career for him. You would think so. I think he's now, has he proven enough to be a first or second round pick? No, but I think he's definitely somebody that uh, could get picked day, up on one of those later rounds. Late and, day two, early day three. Yeah, it's kind of one, guy maybe. one of those guys, once you get him on your roster, once you get him in camp, you're like, wow, this guy, you know. Is, Just makes plays. Yeah, makes <laughs> plays and, and definitely has the ability to, to hang around for a while. So, yeah, there's definitely the future aspirations there that Juice Wells certainly going to be thinking of. But when I think back to what, week number one and before we publicly knew all the specifics of Juice's injury, you know, it was him basically saying, like, yeah, I want to play. I want to go. I feel good. I feel good. Now, again, you have to obviously balance that with what the trainers are telling you and the medical staff, like, hey, we don't think he should play this week. Um, yeah. but, but, I mean, he even said, like, he he saw, um, I'm trying to think, like, Mike Yuva saw him before the game, and he was like, I, I feel good. I feel yeah. great. This is awesome. And you saw that. Right. And it takes – you can be fully cleared and whatnot, and then all of a sudden you take a helmet to it or you take a cleat to it. Sure. And that's a 220-pound cornerback stepping on it with no percent body fat. Right. At that speed, and yeah, like anybody's foot. I don't care if you're the Hulk. Like, that thing would sure. hurt. Like, that thing would be break kind of thing. So Props to him for still, still scoring the touchdown. Right. That adrenaline, I cannot imagine what hey, the adrenaline was hey, like. It went quick, though. Yeah. <laughs> like you could see it. it. All right. He runs in the end zone, goes to the back, and within, like, as soon as Spencer gets there and, like, like, is oh, acknowledging him, he's like, oh, wait a minute. Something ain't right, right here. Yeah. And, like, that that adrenaline where you, I mean, we all know what it's like when, like, that adrenaline's pumping and things are going right. And, like, oh, yeah. you hit that high and all of a sudden it wears off and you're like, oh, that, I'm tired. Like, and, yeah, it's like, ooh, oh, man. It, this ain't right. So, um, I think there's a solace in the fact that Shane Bieber even said it like we've practiced more without juice out there yeah. than we have with juice out there. So it's not like you're saying congrats on Mega Blake. Yeah. You're running with the ones this week. No, he's, yeah. he's taken first team reps. He's it, thrown with Spencer. He's done all those things or Eddie Lewis or someone like that. It's very obvious that coach Beamer listens to us because he did a meet uh, it, Address Nick Harbor head on saying we need to play him more. I had people like tweeting that at me yesterday and I didn't respond. But like people were like, see, told you. Yeah. But they also didn't include the part where he goes, they need to do what they need to do so we yes. can trust them. Yeah, of course. Which people is the, aren't going to give you the full context on that. Right. Um, you know, one, one thing that kind of caught my attention yesterday um, when he was answering questions, intern Joe asked him a question and yes. he acknowledged, he said, hey, 
I appreciate your pick this past weekend. You and Kendall were the only ones. Mm-hmm. He reads it. That pick. He checks and it. I think they both had them win like 27, 24. Close one. And I went and looked. My pick was immediately above intern Joe's. So I was like, <laughs> wow. Coach Beamer read about Ooh. how I thought Georgia was going to wax them by 30 points. Yeah, no, I didn't have them covering either, which is funny. Which I think I had the biggest point differential out of everyone. I know Terry yeah. picked him to win like 45 to 20 or something like that, but right. I had like 45 to 13. I so. had 41 13, too. So <laughs> I was not far <laughs> off. He reads mine as angry, then reads Joe's. Like, and okay, I was like, yeah. that, that's more like Well, it. it was really funny last year. I'm his bulletin board yeah, material. You, you are bulletin board material, man. Uh, it was funny last year. He was at Clemson. And the post game at Clemson's always kind of odd because they it's right there when you get off the field and uh-huh. there's not a great room to do it for visiting media and he's you know it's he's in this high yeah, and you, you just beat Clemson on the road to snap a streak and sure <laughs> I'll never forget he walks out of the scrum after he's like hey, I bet none of y'all picked us to come and do this and I look right at him. like he I'm standing on the back end of it and he, yeah. <laughs> he makes eye contact with me and go I didn't pick you and he goes yeah I know wow. And, <laughs> It was hilarious. I like I I owned up to it. I was like, yeah, I didn't pick you because I didn't pick him to beat Tennessee or Clemson well, I, last year. Which I, not many fine. people would yeah. have. I think I had it close against Clemson though, if okay. I'm not mistaken. But yeah. like, yeah, I don't think anyone was that close against Tennessee. Just what after that Florida game said they would, but yeah. it was. Well, but it was really it, funny to be like, yeah, I didn't pick you. And he goes, I know. You know what, Coach Beamer? Congratulations for proving me wrong. That's, yeah. I mean, I was hoping you would. Yeah. Now, what I will say. Someone might have picked South Carolina to beat Mississippi State this week already in our staff picks. Already? Because I put the story into our draft. Okay. So I, whenever I do that, I always just make my score predictions. So I see. We have one person that's already submitted their pick. Wow. And it's me, and I have South Carolina winning. You got it in before Kendall? She was so she was bragging last week about being the first one. <laughs> Kendall's up. <laughs> Kendall. I'm going to tell her you said that. Please. Please do. Okay. <laughs> Uh, with this weekend being the second game of SEC play for South Carolina, a lot of teams in the in the Southeastern Conference really jumping into SEC play for the first time this weekend, finally, after seeing so many cupcake games. Glad we're finally getting some good quality content across the board. But you posed an interesting question to me yesterday that I wanted to bring up and get the audience's reaction from as well. That's coming up. You're listening to In the Bonus. He's Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head here on the game. Welcome back in. In the Bonus, Colin Taylor. Tyler Head along with you on this Wednesday. I want to remind you once again that the lawyer released a special teams touchdown contest rolls on for another week. Now $400 up for grabs this weekend against Mississippi State. If South Carolina special teams can find their way to the end zone, head on over to 1075thegame.com and register for your chance to win. And if they do find the end zone this weekend on special teams, somebody will be selected as a winner come Monday morning in the early game with Bill and Preston. If they do not get a touchdown, the money rolls over to $500 as they head on the road next weekend to Neyland Stadium, or once again, just head over to 1075thegame.com each and every week to register for your chance to win whenever that touchdown happens, because I imagine it's going to happen at some point. We just don't know when yet. It's going to happen at some point. I agree with you. Best special teams here in the country. Beamer ball, baby. Yeah. Limbo ball. Beamer ball. Beamer ball. Uh... Did you ever play that game, whether it be like at a birthday party, like a sleepover of would you rather, where you pose like a ridiculous question to your friend, like would you rather go skydiving without a parachute or swim to the bottom of the ocean or something dumb like that, and the they have you- to choose, and they can't yes. opt out, and you're like, no, you have to make no, a decision. No, 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 P- 
I play that game now. Play that game now with my wife and my brother. And yes, there are a lot of questions in our family group text, which I will talk about later. Yeah. Oh yeah. We'll definitely get (laughs) to that. That Um, I play that game now. Yes. Which I guess makes sense why you posed this question to me yesterday. Yes. Talk about today, not as extreme as skydiving without a parachute or swimming to the bottom of the ocean. Which Mm -hmm. I'll take neither on that one. Yep. Um, Would you rather, as a football program, three weeks into the season, have played? Power five competition and have a pretty good gauge of where you're at right now, but with a couple losses or having beaten three, I'll group group of five and FCS together, the three cupcakes and be sitting at three and O with more questions than answers. I feel like I would rather if I was building a schedule, I would go cupcake and then get into a big game, then get into it the the FCS or the G five teams kind of serves as your get right, right. figure out mm-hmm. your deficiencies to a degree, yeah, and it, then you jump into it. But I would rather have it kind of like what Ole Miss had or what sure. um, not LSU, but what um, South Carolina to a degree, Auburn to right. a degree, B- because had. we know heading into this game against Mississippi State this weekend that. South Carolina, not great at running the ball, mm-hmm. has gotten better at pass protection, which right. is a plus. Um, defensive line still giving up a lot as far as the run goes. Uh, pass, you know, pass defense, it's okay. Right. Uh, still could use some improvement, but we have a pretty good gauge of where we're at for the most part across this team. The team that uses an example of on the other side of things is Kentucky, who has played at Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, and Akron, and not looked overly impressive in winning. All three of those games either. Um, they're taking on Vanderbilt this weekend. If Kentucky lost by two touchdowns, I'd be like, okay. Yeah, I get if it. If they won by four touchdowns, I'd be like, okay. Because right now, I don't really know what Kentucky football is. Um, so you know how I do the yards? I calculated yards per play on non-explosives? Yes. South Carolina's next to last. Okay. Do you know the team last? Kentucky. It's Kentucky. Um, I... This is kind of Kentucky's MO under Stoops. They do schedule, soft's not the right word, but they do have a lot of like G5 teams that aren't great and And stack some wins. The standard for Kentucky football is very different than a lot of teams in the SEC. It's gotten better as they've gotten better, but I agree. Um, But teams like Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Texas A&M, even teams like Ole Miss to a degree, expect to be in the running for the SEC to be in the conversation for the college football playoff late in the season. Kentucky, let's just be honest here, football is a secondary sport there. Yes. Basketball rules all, and when basketball season gets kicked off, you know, with a couple of weeks to go in the football season, as long as Kentucky football is decently relevant, that is, for the most part, okay with their fan base. They are not upset that, oh, no, we went 8-4 and four and we're going to the Music City Bowl. Like, that's... Right serviceable it's a good that's day. fine Kentucky yeah. fans get a couple a couple days in nashville out of it like exactly and look mark stoops has done a good job they occasionally pop up have the 9 10 win season and go to a you know the citrus bowl or something like that and that's fine then they'll go back down to eight and four seven and five and then jump back know, up the next year it's like hey right. we're 10 and two again or something like that nine when they have three, like an like, older like, senior class and exactly then... like mark stoops is not feeling the pressure and the heat of his no. job being on the line like he's got it made there and a big reason of why they do that is they do find those three teams to beat pretty easily earlier on in the season. They're halfway to bowl eligibility 
three weeks into the year. Right, and Louisville's not been a juggernaut for most of the last decade. So that's which helps. Not a guaranteed fourth win, but feel pretty good about it. And it's like, right. all right, we'll go out there and win at least two SEC games, and boom, you're in a bowl. Right, and sign me up for learning quick about your team. I I would rather have South Carolina's schedule or to a degree, let's say Florida's schedule mm-hmm. or Auburn's schedule. Maybe not North Carolina and Georgia in your first three weeks, but yeah. um, you know Auburn played UMass, kind of a get right. Then they go to California. They win that in a very ugly fashion. But then you get Samford to kind of correct some of those things. So give me a little bit of that. But yeah, I'd rather have P5 teams or good G5 teams. Ole Miss did it perfect. You open with Mercer, mm-hmm. then you go to Tulane and you host Georgia Tech. You're going to know more about your team. I'll phrase it this way. If South Carolina didn't open with North Carolina and open with Furman, is Tree Babalade your starting left tackle? Is Tro Ball your potential starting right guard? Uh, right now, right now. Right now, no. No. Because I don't think you would have had enough of a sample size of struggling just yet. Right. Where, let's say, okay, let's say they open with Furman and let's say they play, I don't know, Toledo last week right. and then Georgia or something like right. that. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, of course, we looked bad against Georgia. Everyone that was looks to be bad expected. against Georgia, yeah. Then I think you're probably not nailing down those guys being your offensive linemen until maybe Florida, right. which is Coming halfway out of through a bye the week. season. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, now we're halfway through the year and we're now just now settling on who our starting five are going to be as opposed to now we're going into week number four, and I think we can safely say we know what the starting offensive line is going to look like. It exposes your deficiencies early, which is not good. And I don't think South and I mean South Carolina is not happy with being one and two. But one of the reasons why South Carolina gets better as they go along is because they can see the contributors right away. And all of a sudden, bingo, bango, you're getting better because those guys are getting a ton of reps and getting better by the end of the season. And I think you look at South Carolina's schedule a year ago. You open with Georgia State, not the most impressive victory, but you won. And, um, like, that's a fine – like, Georgia State's a fine G5 sure. team. By the way, I'm excited about them in Coastal playing tomorrow night. That's Georgia State's a good team this year. It is. And Coastal's always always good. Yeah. Enjoy um, Grayson McCall one more year because I think that thing falls off after that, but continue. Probably so. But anyway, you start off last year with Georgia State. You know, you win by a couple touchdowns, not the most impressive win. You go on the road, you lose to Arkansas, you get waxed by Georgia at home, and then you play South Carolina State as a get-right game, and you're 2-2 two and two four weeks through the season, but you know a lot about where you stand, where you're good at, where you're not good at, and guess what? They went 5-2 and two down the stretch after that. Yeah, and the problem this year, though, is you don't get Charlotte. You don't get SC State to get right at home. Or I think, did they play Charlotte and then SC State? It was, I, I think, I think. Yeah, that's but you did. got those two teams back to back. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. that was a bad power, that was a bad G5 team. Yep. And an FCS team, like two teams you should manhandle, and they did, and they got to kind of got to figure some things out. And, Charlotte didn't have the Biff yet. No, yeah, no Biff yet. Biff was helping Michigan lose to TCU. Um, but you learn now you don't get that, but what you do get is a bye week in two weeks, yeah. which helps. Um, you get a Mississippi State team that's been largely up and down through the first three weeks of the season. I tell you that a, fan base is not happy right no, now. No, a, a winnable game, yeah. like a very winnable game. And like now Tennessee... You don't know what they are right sure. now because they've played a bad Virginia team. They struggled with Austin Peay and they lost to Florida. Right. You don't know what they are. So South Carolina, I think South Carolina, if we're power ranking what you know they are, like teams that understand what they are, what they're good at, the deficiencies more so than any other team. Sure. South Carolina is probably up there. Absolutely. With 
with Ole Miss, with um, Vanderbilt, with I'm looking at some of these schedules, Alabama to a degree, uh, Arkansas, ooh. <laughs> but they know what they are more so than anything else, and now you have time to fix it more so than Kentucky, who if they go on a three-game losing streak, four-game losing streak before their bye week, which could happen mm-hmm. at Vandy, home to Florida, at Georgia, home from Missouri, then you're going into an open week trying to figure it out with four or five games left instead of South Carolina that has nine games left right now. Yeah, so again, I feel pretty good about what we know about South Carolina right now. Everything's not obviously great, and you still have areas to improve. But you have a good gauge of where your team is as you head into the thick of conference play uh, with Mississippi State this weekend uh, in williams Bryce Stadium. One thing uh, I wanted to talk about before we get out of here today, Coach Beamer uh, hit the nostalgia bone a little bit yesterday with something that he talked about. Well, let's hear what he had to say and reminisce about days of our youth oh, yes. and doing this exact thing that he talked about. That's coming up. You're listening to In the Bonus. He's Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head here on The Game. Taught me, you know what, you better have a plan, like where you're going to stay and not just type out the directions on MapQuest, but make sure you know where you're staying and how you're getting places and, and, and plan better. So it forced me to force me to do all that as well. You know, so I love like when I'm on the road recruiting now and I just type in a school, pull it up on my phone, it takes me right to it. Back then you literally had to like, I mean, it was a process of typing out directions and pray to God there's not like road construction or something and you have to detour. Welcome back in, in the bonus. He's Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head. <laughs> Yesterday, Coach Beamer reminiscing about his time as an assistant in Mississippi State and some of the obscure places in Mississippi he had to go. And back then, well, you couldn't just type it into the GPS on your phone. You had to print out the MapQuest directions. Yes. And I said that tripped a nostalgia bone because mm-hmm. uh, we've all been there. We had the MapQuest, but then we also had my dad. This is where I get my neurosis from. Okay. My father, mm-hmm. shout out KT. We had the, he, every year he would order, because he works in transportation, he would order the Atlas books. Okay. You know those big like, yeah, yeah. you would flip it open and it have maps to everywhere. We would have those in our back seats. Okay. Like in the little like thing. So I would remember like if I was in the back seat of my car. Yeah, yeah. Like flipping through the Atlas while we were there. But yes, many a... Uh, there is nothing more terrifying than oh if you are sitting shotgun and your parent is trying to read these directions and they hand them to you mm-hmm. and go, give me directions. Because especially if you're like 10 or 11 and you've never driven before right. and you're like, okay, uh, it says Southwest, East, North, <laughs> yeah. 5th Street, uh, Northwest at exit 57. I don't know what any of this means. I'm just reading words to you yeah, at this point. Like, I hope you know gibberish. what it means. Um and like, so you get like, it's summertime, like you're leaving Saturday morning to like drive to the beach yeah. the night before dad's like, all right, help me print out the map quest directions. Oh. That is inevitably the night where you run out of printer ink. And you're like having to like scribble like, them uh, down. Uh, uh, right. And, and then like, you know, the paper gets lost in the morning or something like that. And then you're driving and as coach Beamer mentioned there, you better hope there's not road construction. Cause if you detour. are, you, cause fubo- I mean, it's like, SOL okay, at that point. well, like, they, that we're supposed to get off at exit 74, 74 is closed at 65 yeah. and we're like 10 miles away. And now you're like stopping at a gas station and asking some random dude, like, Hey, how do we get to where we're going? And, and like, your parent is furious oh with my, you. Oh, there, there is, there is no road trip with MapQuest directions where a parent is not furious at some point in time. Right. right. The the level of just sheer panic 
when you're like, I have no idea what I-26 westbound is, and I'm expected to like... That's how you learned yeah. how it, to like tell directions because yes. you're like, okay, it, well, if we're at 61 now, we need to get to 64. That means we're three away from it. So I need to tell him at this point and yes. do this. And it was it, terrifying. And the inevitable, like you misread it or you look too far oh. ahead and then you're like, we're supposed to get off like 10 miles ago. And <laughs> or like, say anything. or like you don't know when to tell him because you're like, I have no idea how much yeah. 1.3 miles is. Right. And like how much how fast we're going and what we're doing. I'm just back here listening to music. Yeah, I have Fall Out Boy on my net. I have a illegally downloaded Fall Out Boy <laughs> song that I'm listening to right now. Uh, I did, so my family, I texted them during the press conference and I was like, yep. hey, I talked about you guys in the thing, in, in Shane's press conference. And they, m- both of my parents sit back crying laughing emojis when they heard it. My father said mom was difficult back then <laughs> knowing full well my father i love him so much and he is the reason why i am who i am to this day he would print out the map quest directions there was no yep. losing he would paperclip them oh, together you gotta staple he them. would yep he would it was not a staple it was a paperclip so you could discard the parts Ooh, that we've already done that's smart i like that now much. he would have a pad folio that he would put the map quest directions in. Okay. He would put the padfolio on the island mm-hmm. and put his wallet and keys on top of it so he could not forget the padfolio. That's 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 pretty clutch. Do uh, you want to know how I prepare for trips? <laughs> I put things in an envelope and I put my wallet and keys on top. There was no losing those directions. KT still has the it, padfolio. It, it, it rubbed not, off on you. He has not ever gotten it, rid of that padfolio. So my dad only recently got a smartphone like... Okay two years ago he was rocking team flip phone for the longest time because my dad doesn't want to call anybody he doesn't want anyone to call him he is not on social (laughs) media leave me alone (laughs) exactly my dad loves to fish and he does not want to be bothered when he is fishing yep so he had a flip phone that if he needed to call somebody for an emergency he had the means to do so but other than that leave him alone and i respect that um when he got his smartphone we were going somewhere or something and i I don't remember if he was driving or if i was driving and he said something about map quest directions and i was like i can show you how to just do it with your phone now he's like you can do that i'm yep. like mm-hmm. yeah we can it ain't do that. hard so he's not he's not using map quest anymore but up until a couple years ago that was still on the table yep uh and then which map quest still exists as a website i went and checked yesterday just to be sure yeah i will never to my father's delight he this is the most dad thing on the planet because I responded and said, I was nine years old and didn't know what I-26 westbound was. Right. Um, with a little bit more colorful language. But he then responds and says, it's called tough love for a reason. You know now, you're welcome. You know what? It's the same as getting thrown out there as a true freshman yep. offensive lineman <laughs> against Georgia. It's like, you're going to learn on the fly. You're welcome. You don't know what I-26 westbound is. When we started this trip, you're dang sure going to know what it's like by the end of this trip. Yep. And... I contribute a lot of my neurosis to him when it comes to travel. So the map quest started it and it has yeah. not subsided. He's also yeah. the guy that would we would be like, we're leaving from the Atlanta airport at noon. Our flight takes off at noon. We're getting there at nine. And it's it's stuck. Shout out to the OG MapQuest users. Yes. We've all been there and we're all thankful that Love technology has advanced past that. That'll do it for today's edition of In the Bonus. Coming up next, the extra point right here on the game.